Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Today, we're continuing our series. Last week, we began with talking about the uh, names of Christ, the actually uncommon name we called that message in this age of the Messiah King. And we looked at the, matter of fact, let's go ahead and put that verse up there. We looked at the four compound names, and there was so much in that. I just, just touched on it, of the names of the character, actually, the person of Jesus, and what that means to you and I today. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But today, we are jumping back to the first part of that, where it says, for unto us a child is born. We're, we're looking today at the unseen realm. That's the title of today's message. Because when Jesus came on the scene, when he was born 2,000 years ago, came to earth, God became man, something happened in the unseen realm. It's like something was triggered and it just broke open and all of a sudden there's all this activity. I mean, the prophets were prophesying all of a sudden. I mean, the voice of God was silent for 400 years and all of a sudden they're prophesying and, and uh, angels are starting to appear and they're just freaking everybody out. There's all kinds of shepherds are running. Ah! You know, it's just crazy things are happening. And people are having dreams. Joseph's having dreams. Mary's having dreams. I mean, just supernatural stuff began to happen. It was really a crazy time when you think about it. Prophecies were starting to be fulfilled all of a sudden. It's like, wow, really amazing. At the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not uncommon today for people to give their birth announcements of their children. It's pretty common. You know, people do mailers. They'll do it on social media. We just had a boy. We just had a girl. Baby's born, and it's got a little picture. And it's really, and I think that's wonderful. I think we should celebrate new life, uh, God's creation. It's wonderful. And you see that often. And now you're having these extravagant gender reveals. You ever notice that? You see them on social media and stuff. You know, people... Uh, go get their sonogram so they kind of know it's going to be a boy or a girl, and then they, everybody's anticipating it's going to be a boy, it's going to be a girl. You know, and so now it's this whole new gender reveal, and you see pictures of them. You know, they get groups of people together on a beach or somewhere, and, and they have balloons or something, and they pop them in, you know, either blue dust or powder, or pink or paper, or whatever. Something that says, it's a boy, it's a girl. And everybody's like, yeah! And so you have all that. But nobody ever predicts a baby's birth, gender, or even name, seven over 700 years prior to when it's going to happen. Except for, of course, Isaiah, the Christmas prophet, who talked so much about Jesus coming and announces, it's a boy, right? It's Jesus. He gives this prediction of the Messiah who would come and be born. That's pretty amazing. Who's going to change everything forever, everywhere. Changes our calendar, BCA, after the death, AD, BC. Changes everything. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Wow. 
Isaiah's writing this really during a very turbulent time. It's when the, the two kingdoms were divided. You had Israel and Judah. And uh, <clears throat> they were being threatened by the expansion of the Assyrian Empire. And Isaiah, of course, he's the prophet during this time. And Ahaz is the king of Judah. And he's considered, actually, by many, a really wicked and evil king. And uh, this is the backdrop when all this is happening. This is what's going on in the background. And uh, during Ahaz's rule, Isaiah receives this wonderful promise of this birth of a child who would change everything forever. Isaiah 9.6, the messianic prophecy predicting the coming of the Lord. You know what's interesting about this? Unto us a child is born. It gives the, he prophesies the birth of Jesus. Then he goes on to say, and his government will be upon his shoulders. I find it interesting. It's like he's talking about his first coming and his second coming in one little tiny verse. Isaiah probably didn't even realize what he was really fully grasping or saying there. But he will be born to live, to die, but to come again as the king and place his enemies under his feet. In that one little sentence, powerful, over 700 years ago. And he would come to Bethlehem, it had been prophesied. And of course, now, 2,000 years later, we know this has been fulfilled. And he says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, we know that the government isn't on Jesus' shoulders at this time in our world. It's on a lot of people's shoulders, and some it shouldn't be. But one day it will be, right? One day he will shoulder everything as the king of kings, the conquering king, not the suffering servant. <clears throat> and he'll rule the planet. <laughs> he'll rule everything under his direct reign. As it says in Psalms 132, Jesus will sit on the throne of David for all eternity. That's already prophesied. Oh, how many know there's a lot of prophecies that haven't come true yet, haven't come forth. The government, it says, this government of peace will never end one day. And his rule is fairness. He will rule in fairness and justice for all time from his throne, from the throne of David. But again, at the announcement of his birth, something happened. There was like, boom, supernatural elements released in the unseen realm. Things began to happen. Luke chapter one, an angel shows up to Mary and says this, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This angel's not only talking about his coming, but his second coming as well. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Wow. Revelation confirms this in chapter 11, verse 15. It says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Speaking of what's to come. I love it when you serve the one who wins all the time. Don't you? Don't you like being on the winning team? This language is uh, placing, uh, a placing dominion. It, it, the government, he says, on somebody's shoulders. Simple, this is simple. It's symbolizing a royal authority. Jesus doesn't obviously directly ruled the governments today in our world, in our society, but we know right now he does rule in the realm of the spirit, totally, completely, with full authority. And he rules over individuals like you and I who have surrendered heart to him. 
Because that's where the real battle is. It's the battle for hearts today. And when people follow Jesus, there's an influence that comes through their life of the kingdom of God. We see it everywhere you go, where his influence is and where his influence is not. That's the unseen realm happening through people. That's why it's so important for us to pray and elect godly officials to government, to be mindful of that. Because if they're following Christ, there's an influence of his reign that will happen through them. But if not, there's an influence of something else that will happen through them that is generally not real good. It's an unseen realm being manifest in the physical. You ever notice that? You could go to regions and cities and different places, and you could tell what unseen realm is functioning there. It's either godly, it's there's more peace, there's more order, there's more good things happening, there's the kingdom of God filtering through the people that are in the leadership there, or it's a dark place where there's violence and there's corruption and there's, it's dangerous and the realms of the darkness is working through. You can always tell in the physical what's happening in the spirit. It's a big, important deal. <clears throat> so Jesus came and, you know, he spoke to his disciples, his people, before he was ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, he said, the Great Commission he says, I, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me and go therefore make disciples of all nations. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I've commanded. Behold, I'm with you always until the very end. And that was something he says, the authority I have, I'm releasing it to you. And that will, that will percolate through your life and influence. That's that unseen realm happening through the lives of his people. Heaven being manifest on earth. The supreme rule of God's heavenly kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 says, For he must reign until his, all his enemies are put under his feet. Another, again, picture of the ongoing conquest of Christ on earth. But it's happening through his church. The unseen realm, that's the most important place, really. That's why we pray. That's why we have a weekly prayer meeting here every Wednesday. Before the church, we even planted this place over 17 years ago. We were praying. And we'll continue. Because that's where the real battle is. That's where the real fight is. That's where strings are pulled and things are, things are done in the realm of the spirit. That's why Ephesians 6.12 is so important. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not where your battle is. He says it's in the heavenlies because it's against those rulers, against the authorities, against the po cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's where the real battle is. <clears throat> this unseen realm that pulls the strings, that influences through people who surrendered or haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ. We know that many who are functioning outside of Christ are simply blinded, but the Bible says, by the God of this world. They're blinded by the God of this age. They function in unbelief. That's why it's so important that we pray for those in governing positions and authority, that they would walk with surrendered hearts and obedience to Jesus because of the influence that they have. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, first of all, then I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So important that we pray for our leaders in that way and, and support them in Jesus so that we can have 
godly, peaceful, quiet lives. It affects everything under them. That's the realm of the spirit that we're, that we're that's where the real fight is. <clears throat> we know that when Jesus walked this earth, you can read it in the gospels, he had full authority over the unseen realm. Signs and wonders and miracles followed wherever he went. Healings everywhere. Everywhere he went, he was casting out demons and devils. He would, even in the synagogue, even in the church, he was casting out demons. Demons, they were falling down and things were happening. And the, the realm of darkness was hemorrhaging before him. There was an unseen realm was all of a sudden being exposed. People before, they didn't know it was there. And all of a sudden, ah, there it is. Jesus began to open up the eyes of people to see what's really going on. This is where the real battle is. You see it even in the book of Acts as they continued the mission of Jesus Christ. As miracles were breaking out, people were being healed. All regions were being born again and saved as, as the gospel swept through communities and cities and, and, and devils were being cast out and all kinds of things were happening. Powerful stuff. As heaven and hell were clashing, things were exploding on the scene. As Jesus says, the authority I've given you, the church continues to extend it. But it says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. <clears throat> you know, Jesus carried the cross on his shoulders. He had the divine government, the dominion and power and authority of the kingdom of heaven, and it was on his shoulders when he bore it on the cross. He took our sins upon the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the cross where we come to the cross and surrender. He took our sins and it's where, it's where the authority is released. It's where you and I can pray and fight and live from that position of authority and victory. We can live from that place ongoingly. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. It's through the cross where he canceled the record, the debt that stood against us. With its legal demands, he said, he set it aside, he nailed it to the cross. It's in Colossians where Paul affirms and says that he conquered death, the devil, and hell. That he said that Jesus is head over every authority out there. He established that through Colossians. Also said it was, again, sacrificed through the cross where he canceled every debt that was against us. He took it away. And he made a public spectacle of the devil. He paraded him throughout. Through the victory of the cross. The authority that was released. The cross he carried on his shoulders. This made it, makes it possible for you and I to influence the way we can. To represent Jesus Christ. To actually be his ambassadors on this planet. To be the ones who deliver the mail. The influence of Christ to exercise what he's given us. Where we could see actually the kingdom of heaven happening through our lives, pushing back the darkness. Yes, the spiritual arena is affected radically by those who follow Jesus and live for him. I hope the government of your life and rule of your life is on his shoulders, that he rules and reigns even now over your hearts fully. Because this is where the battle, this is what's up for grabs today. This is where the unseen realm clashes. And this is where the real battle is. Heaven meeting darkness and, and unbelief. 
Because if we're living in that place where his kingdom of God government is, is reigning over our lives, then you will experience the growing peace that comes through the Prince of Peace. And only then will you experience the authority to push back darkness, to break demonic strongholds, to continue to change generations following you. Then you'll experience the divine work of healing, the counsel, the ongoing comfort and the strength and everything that he provides through the cross flowing through our lives. It says this child will be born and the government will be upon his shoulders. There's a spiritual government being released right now in the hearts of men and women. <clears throat> and his birth began to expose the true battle between light and darkness. It was the announcement of his birth from that day forward where hearts began to be laid bare. It was as though a line was drawn in the sand when Jesus came to the earth and the call went out and saying, choose this day who you will serve because there are only two people you can serve, two individuals really, two, the master, there's a evil and there's good. There's Satan and there's God. And so Jesus began to clearly communicate this through his own walk and life and release through the cross. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a wrestling, there's a jostling. And there's actually, I'll just, I'm just going to point to three characters that give us three pictures of hearts that the unseen realm is affecting even to the day we're living in today. Uh, John the Baptist, the first one, he was the one who's preparing the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was the one, the voice in the wilderness crying out, preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And everything he said was not his own opinion. It was the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit on his life. And he is, he is, you let's look at John's words. It is amazing. He's like, the Messiah is here. He's coming. He will come with fire. He will judge. Oh, it will be terrible. <laughs> it was amazing. He looked at the Luke chapter 3. He confronts the religious leaders, rulers, and he says, You snakes, he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits of worthy of repentance, he said. That was his message. The Messiah is coming and it's terrifying, right? He, in Matthew chapter 3, he gets up in their grill again and he says, the axe is being laid to the root of the trees. <laughs> Those who have evil, bad fruit, oh, it will be cut down, thrown into the fire. I mean, he was intense. He says, the fan in his hand, and, and he'll thoroughly purge the floor and gather the wheat to the granary and burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. <laughs> that was John's message of the coming Messiah. Foreboding, judgment, fire. He will baptize you, but with fire, he said. <laughs> and Jesus came. And you know what he did. It's mostly deeds of mercy. <laughs> He's healing the sick. He's given sight to the blind. The deaf can hear. The lepers are cleansed. He's raising the dead people. And John was a little confused. <laughs> He's like, what's going on here? I mean, John is in prison now. Herod throws him in prison. And he's like, uh, 
I'm not sure what's going on here. He's wrestling with some doubt. Unbelief is pressing in. Do you think there was some spiritual warfare going on? He's in jail. The realm of the darkness, the dark realm, hell is pressing in on John. Trying to get him in a corner all by himself. Trying to get him to doubt his own words. I think John was kind of like the other Old Testament prophets where they would confuse the first coming with the second coming. The child who would come and live to die, to suffer. And then the second coming who would come as king to put his enemies under his feet. A little confused. Maybe they were blended together. But John was at that place and his heart was under, under in a sense, his own personal torment. He's like, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, he's supposed to come and set up his kingdom and judge. What's going on? And he's all by himself in prayer and he's wrestling. He could just see hell taunting and pressing in on him. It's that unseen realm, fully active, moving and working, trying to stop the one who's preparing the way. A couple of his disciples come to John and visit him in prison. John says, could you go talk to Jesus? Go ask him, is he the one? Because I'm not sure what's going on right now. I'm really, I'm really struggling here. And so they go to Jesus, and you can read about it in Matthew chapter 11. They get there, and they say, Jesus, John's really conflicted. He wants to know if you're really the one. And, and Jesus answers them, and he says, go tell John that those things which you see and hear, the blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are being cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are being raised. And the poor are hearing the gospel. The spiritual government of the kingdom of God is pressing in on darkness. And things are happening. And it's good. Jesus' kingdom is here. Not as you anticipated. And you know, Jesus took those words right out of Isaiah. The ones that were already prophesied of him. It was as though Jesus was saying, go tell John that there are other prophecies yet to be fulfilled that I need to do also. And so <clears throat> Jesus basically tells them to say, go tell John, hang in there. And blessed are those who don't get offended because of me. Oh, isn't that a picture of where many believers are today at times when we get imprisoned by our own difficulties and things are happening and we're confused and we're struggling. And, and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, saying, don't get offended. Walk in forgiveness. Don't lose your faith. Don't give in to the, to the confusion and the doubts and the unbelief because Jesus is the Savior, will always be the Savior, and will never stop being the Savior. That's a picture of our hearts. That's the, that's the realm of the Spirit. When you ever are in that position, you know that there is a battle going on over your life. How about Herod? Oh, he's another picture. I alluded to this last week a bit. He was troubled because he heard about this king who would be born. The wise men came searching. Matthew chapter 2, you can read about the whole account. They come there searching and they talk to the scribes. And scribes say, well, there's a prophecy. It says he would be born, but it'll be in Bethlehem. I won't read through that prophecy, but it's there. Herod pulls them aside secretly and says, hey, guys, I know you're heading to Bethlehem. When you find this king who is to be born, this child, 
Come back and tell me. I want to worship him too. Of course, we know he didn't want to worship him. He was threatened. He was threatened by this Christ child, this new king who would disrupt his rule, possibly take his throne. So the wise men go and the age, they get to the, they investigate. Of course, they didn't come back to Herod. They knew he was up to no good. An angel, another angelic visitation happens. Remember, the unseen realm was so active at this point. And it appears that Joseph says, head to Egypt, take the child, take the mother. Herod's out to kill him. Go there and stay until I give you a word. And Herod is exceedingly angry, the Bible says. And so he launches a seek and destroy mission, tries to murder all the children, boys, two years old and under Bethlehem in that district. I mean, the guy commits mass murder. He's so threatened. He's just, and it gives you this picture of this dark, evil ruler where hell's dominion is pressing in and, and has this stronghold that doesn't want to let up and says, this is my area. Go no further. He sets up his gates. Didn't Jesus say the, that the gates of hell should not prevail against his kingdom? We were called to kick them in. And Herod's gates were just about ready to get kicked in. He's not some fictitious Scrooge-like Grinch character. He was evil to the core. Do you know that he put to death his sons because he was so threatened by them? Do you know that he either killed or exiled all his wives? He, he actually married this one gal named Miriam because she was a Jew simply to gain favor with the Jews. He had all these ulterior motives. Uh, he never would lay down his selfish, evil desires. He was born 65 years before Jesus but he was the most ruthless, brutal, self-serving of leaders. A picture of hell itself, dark, contrasted with the self-giving, selfless life of the Son of God. He did great things. He built great things, but he only did it to get favor with those under him and over him. He, he uh, built the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. He uh, massively expanded the, tempire, the temple grounds simply to gain favor with the Jews. He wanted to be king of the Jews. But Jesus is truly the king. And so you see this clash of evil on earth and the kingdom of heaven pressing in just by giving birth to this Christ child. And Herod's threatened. And Jesus, of course, had no interest of his throne. He was just after the hearts of men, the throne of men. As I said last week, even to this day, the little baby Jesus isn't much of a threat. Put him in a little manger scene and it's okay. But when you declare that Jesus is Lord and he wants to rule over hearts and change societies and communities and that his government needs to come down and, and have influence and change things and the way we live, oh, now you need to stop because now you're a threat, you see. And we, this, is, this is the unseen realm today. This is what's happening over communities and over societies and over cities where there's a clash and you see it in the physical. See it over the hearts of men. Well, I'll just touch on the wise men here because they're the last heart that I want us to capture. And they understood that this king was from another kingdom another dominion, actually a government outside this realm. 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And many have this picture of these <clears throat> wise men surrounding a, and shepherds, a manger, which is actually inaccurate. They weren't at a manger, they were actually, as it says, in the house with the young child. Jesus was a young child at this time. And uh, these guys came from Persia, probably a thousand mile journey. You're talking over a lot of terrain, rough terrain, long distance, through dangerous areas with bandits. I mean, when they got there, they were plum tuckered out. They'd been through it. And they had studied other religions. It probably took them six to nine months to get there. They had studied astronomical signs. These guys were well studied. They were really smart. They were very wealthy. And they were probably these advisors to kings, the magi. <clears throat> but they probably did believe about this just Jewish God that was worthy of some type of respect. Again, they were magi, and Balaam actually was the father of magi, and, and Balaam prophesied a star would arise out of Judah and reign, and um, that's when they got to Jerusalem, and the scribes told them of the passage, the prophecy out of Micah 5, 2, we could put it up there, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Powerful. And so they're directed to Bethlehem and they, they make their way there. And it says when they left, they saw the star again. And it says that the star went before them and stood over the house. Let me tell you something. Stars just don't go before you and stand over houses. You think there's something supernatural going on there? You think the unseen realm is fully active and things are happening. And it's a miracle what they're seeing. This is an all-out miracle. That's why they were just rejoicing exceedingly. They, were just, they realized something is happening here that is beyond this world. So they get to the house and they go in. And there's the child with Mary, the mother. It says they fell down to worship him. Now, this is where I want to get to. This Greek word, fall down. It's not just bowing down. It implies this. If I was to stand up real high and drop a vase and hit this concrete floor, it would shatter. That's what that word implies. It means to violently drop and be shattered. That's what they experienced. They were completely undone in the presence of this child king. Exuberant worship, extravagant they began to give in the presence of the king. It says they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirror. They offered their treasures to him. Actually, I think they gave more than they expected to. They were so undone. It isn't, wasn't just some Jewish Messiah. They realized this is supernatural. This is the savior of the world. They got a revelation of God at that moment as they were completely undone, hearts laid bare. And it gives you such a clear living example of a true heart surrendered to Jesus of what pours out of our life in every way, in every dimension. 
You just can't help it. There's such an expression of worship, of love, of gifts, of talents, of abilities. It's yours, God, whatever you want. I humble myself before you because I'm undone. And that's the wrestling of hearts. And we see that today where people finally encounter Jesus and our hearts are undone. They have this revelation of this divine authority. I pray we get that over and over again, all of us here today. If you're in that place, even like John the Baptist, you're struggling, you're having stuff happening in your life, it's making it difficult for you. There's doubts coming in. Welcome the Prince of Peace. As we say in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Welcome him in at that point. Don't let offense settle in, but allow your heart. Remember, there's a spiritual warfare always over our life. Stay in that surrendered, undone, broken place before the king where he'll have his way continually. There's more to this life than just the physical. We battle not against flesh and blood. But the spiritual arena is alive and there is stuff going on all around us today. How important it is for you and I to live those surrendered lives. I'll have the worship team come out. Should have had you come out a little earlier. But let me tell you something about this Christmas. You don't have to carry burdens alone. You've got Jesus. And there's something beautiful about Christmas, the celebration of not only what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to us, and not only what we get to look forward to when he comes again to rule over every kingdom, all his enemies under his feet, but you and I get to celebrate that he has come to us now, that Jesus is with us now, and that daily we get to live in his presence and walk with him now, and that every day we can live from that place of victory from the cross. And that's our stance as the people of God before a spiritual arena that is at all-out war. You and I can live in peace right now with Christ King Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.